0: Hello, and welcome back to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have a chance and you're going to want to, check down into the show notes and look at all the links of all the games that we're going to be talking to. Today, we are going to be talking mainly game schooling, so you might want to put away the credit cards. (laughs) Yeah. Put away the checkbooks. Hide your Amazon list. Hide your Amazon list. We had uh, Danielle Dabbs and her husband, Chaz, uh, and the second annual, third time we've had them on the podcast. From board game babies, uh, world world famous from Instagram.
2: Yeah, no, and we t- love talking with Danielle, yeah. and it's our second annual games gift guide. We we know that this is that time of year when you're getting ready to buy gifts for the holidays, mm-hmm. and we just love hearing about new games from them. I mean, like selfishly, I want to hear about the new games. I know. Um, and this was a really great interview because. They focused on games that were all multi-generational, which I thought was really great. Mm -hmm. Games that we could play with kids and adults and grandparents and games that we as adults wouldn't mind playing by ourselves even that aren't, weren't solely kid games, which I thought was, was really fun, Mm -hmm. um, And they put some games in here that don't necessarily have an outward game schooling appearance, but I think have some really cool social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. So they put in some games that were like really good icebreakers to help families loosen up, you know, especially when... We haven't seen each other because of the pandemic, and Mm -hmm. now families are getting back together. Maybe you're having a Thanksgiving get-together with a bunch of relatives that your kids don't know very well, and it might feel pretty awkward playing one of these uh, fun, silly games might really loosen things up.
0: Yeah, those cousins are suddenly three years older.
2: Right. I mean, so there could be some... So they have some icebreaker-type games. They have uh, games where... There's a lot of like take that you know where you you're you're hurting other players and they're hurting you and and kids have to kind of learn to be okay with that mm-hmm. and I think that there's lots of there's really good social emotional learning there too, and then there's games that do involve math and other things, so there's a wide variety here of multi general generational games. And I really appreciated getting to talk with them they're always uh well she 's always a delight i hadn't met her husband before, but he is also a delight
0: yeah and you flew solo on this one i i I did yeah. the
2: little one was not able to watch a movie as we had planned yes. and so um we we had to pivot yep we're flexible we're flexible and um we, we, I did we this brought by we myself. brought it
0: we, we had the solid you know starting pitcher, and she went the full complete game we ha. didn't need the relief you know. Bump kiss in the back throwing you know wild thing you didn't need vaughn this, this 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 time around but anyway let's hop into the interview it was it was wonderful and we hope you guys enjoyed as well and this is danielle and chaz from board game babies
2: hi danielle chaz welcome to the show hi thanks for having us hello well, it's so great to have you guys for our second annual game schooling gift guide. So Woo! you're like our go-to people for games because uh you seem to be in the pulse of what's uh what's fun and things we haven't heard of. And we've talked about everything that we play already on the podcast and our short bites. So we thought we would outsource again because we love talking to you.
3: We have a lot of games. I think I was trying to think, I think we've like reviewed like maybe close to 200 maybe and we still have I just look at our shelves and I'm like I have so many more I need to share so this is a good opportunity for us to share some ones that I haven't put up reviews for on our Instagram yet Ooh, but like it's fresh. that we enjoy playing and some of there are a couple of oldies but goodies in here too so you don't have to like necessarily get the newest and greatest thing you might even be able to find some of these used or resale or
2: yeah. We love it. And I'm, I'm here solo today. I'm missing my, my partner in crime. So Chaz, you're on deck for all dad jokes because I can't, <laughs> I can't do that.
3: He's got it. He, he's got the dad jokes down.
2: Great. Okay. So we're getting ready. We're gearing up. We're feeling festive. We're getting ready for black Friday shopping and all that great early shopping from supply chain challenges. <laughs> I feel like I shop earlier and earlier every year. Um, so what are we going to start with?
3: Okay. Well, usually when I come out in here, I talk about game schooling games because that's primarily a way we use games in our house. It's to teach and reinforce concepts. Um, and this is a homeschooling podcast. So usually it's very, you know, useful for, for people who are trying to teach their kids with games. But um, as the holidays are coming up and more people are going to be spending more time with their family and larger groups, um, family, you know, gatherings, we wanted to share some of our favorite what we would call family games. So these are, we tried to pick games that we think grownups would play without kids that are really approachable for like, if you are having just like a get together with adults, but that are also great for kids to play too. So like we like games like that where it's not just a kid's game, you know, there's great kids games out there. There's nothing against them, but sometimes it's nice to pull out a game that you're like, I really would play this even if I wasn't playing with a kid Yeah, and to be able to, um, enjoy it with them.
1: Yeah. I think the term (laughs) that we kind of dorky term we kind of use is like intergenerational. So
2: yeah. Intergenerational. I like that
1: as opposed to just like a kid's game where it's like really only fun for the kid and the parents are sort of surviving it.
2: Yes. (laughs) these are all like really
3: fun for grownups, but really great for you to incorporate kids. And for us, we play primarily our seven and nine-year-old are playing these with us, but we have our third child who's about to turn six and actually quite a few of these she can play too. Um, So yeah, Chaz is with me tonight. He is actually our big like strategy gamer and plays a lot of these games with the kids regularly too. So while I'm the more game schooling focused one, he's like the more family game expert one. So he'll chime in on a lot of these and share some and just because we're not sharing straight games playing games doesn't mean there are like elements of learning that can happen in them um not just the soft skills of gaming of taking turns or cooperative learning how to cooperate things like that but also there are some things we'll you know point out if there's some good math or reading skills mm-hmm. in them too so we get we give you everything all of the wonderful parts of games um yes so excellent games that we're going to share and kind of piggyback go back and forth but um And we broke them into categories to kind of make it easier. So if you're looking for a particular type of game, um, hopefully this will help you kind of narrow down even amongst these 10, because not trying to encourage everyone to go out and buy 10 new games necessarily, you may (laughs) want to not saying you shouldn't either. You do what you do, you do what works for you, but um, wanted to make it approachable and attainable to pick something good from the list. So.
1: And I'd like to just say that, um, if we base recommendations on our kids' ability to play games, um, I think our kids are pretty typical in what they can handle. Um, in the big strategic board gaming community, you'll see a lot of like Facebook posts of, look, this is my kid playing, you know, hour four of a game of Twilight Imperium. And it's, like, <laughs> yeah. Five years old. Uh, our kids can't do that. <laughs> our kids are normal kids, I think, uh, <laughs> or as normal as kids get. And so if I sit, if we say that we think this is good for a certain age, it's while we play a lot of games in our household, um, our kids play what I think are pretty normal games for their age.
3: Yeah, I think our our age ranges are fairly accurate. Like you'll have kids who are, you know, more of the gamer to, Like our seven-year-old is our big gamer. So like he can play things that our nine-year-old can play easily that maybe she might not have played at seven. But generally, I think all of these are fairly approachable. Um, and so I'd say all these games fall into multiple categories. This isn't like the only category that the game falls in if we put it in that category, but um, we kind of tried to, like I said, lump them together. So the first few games we're going to talk about are ones that we think would play best at like a family gathering with multiple generations. These are like very, very approachable for new gamers. Like as simple as the rules get, not overwhelming, takes you know just a couple minutes to teach. Kids of mostly any age could play them with, you know, not like a three or four-year-old, but like six and up could play them. Um, with so the with grandma and
2: grandpa coming yeah, to exactly, Thanksgiving or like, Christmas. okay,
3: Exactly. Cause I feel like it's just a great way for families to bond. Like you're kind of sitting around, like, what do we do? And just sitting down and being able to play a game together is a great way to laugh. Like build those shared shared experiences. But like, I know sometimes older generations are a little more hesitant in the games because they grew up only playing Candyland with their kids. So like, Right. you know how we feel about Candyland. So they're like, Oh, board <laughs> games. No, we don't want to play board games. And then you bring out something that's really fun and they're it's turned on their turn on their head about what they think about board games. So like, these are great ones. If you're like, I want to like, you know, introduce some family members to something that they would be out of their comfort zone. So the that's first awesome. one, I think this is probably literally like maybe the easiest game we own because if you can roll dice, you can play this game. It's called Mickey's Food Fight, which we're also huge Disney fans. So anything with a Disney IP on it is usually welcome in our home. Um, But it's basically just a speed game. It takes literally no strategy, no skills. You're just rolling dice and then throwing food like Mickey food items, like hot dogs and Mickey ice cream bars um, and hamburgers from your tray to other people's trays and trying to clear your plate as fast faster than anybody else so you want to get a clear clear plate first Um, so you roll three dice and they tell you like which food you can move off your plate um, how many of that item you can move off so there's a number die a food die and then a directional die so it's good to like you know help kids sort of understand those things but also again it's super easy like um, I guess they would technically need to know right from left probably but that's a great way to practice it see game schooling in the simplest game you have Um, (laughs) So it's a great warm-up game. Like it would be even fun for like a game group to play in a warm-up game. Um,
1: it's good if you need to burn some energy off your kids because it's very frenetic and there's no turns. Yeah, you're obviously. all simultaneously rolling. It's Everybody's just...
3: rolling at the same time, and you're chucking things across <laughs> the table. and Like you mm-hmm. think your tray is going to be empty, and then like five hot dogs appear on your tray. And you're like, <laughs> so it's like really interactive and fun. Um, the one thing I will say about it is that while any kid could play this game because it's so simple. I think the one thing to watch out is that kids sort of need to be at the same speed. Like it's kind of hard for a right. six year old or a five, she's five still to keep up with our two older kids. Cause she's just not quite as fast at rolling the, the dice. So she'll end up with more on her tray. So a lot of times she's more of our helper. So even though she could totally understand the game, the rules are really simple. The one thing I would be cautious about is like, if you're playing with someone who's like very, very fast and you have, a slower person who's playing, they may not enjoy it as much. So that's just something to think about if you're going to choose this game that like that everybody's ability to roll a a die and sort of process those three pieces of information is somewhere in like the same time range. Like (laughs) that makes sense. Like our seven and nine-year-old play completely the same and they can totally play together. It's our like five-year-old that kind of gets left a little bit behind. But again, she just plays with us typically. And um if someone's never played a game in their life they could play this game and learn it in 2 minutes which is a nice thing like when you're trying to introduce people to games or have one at a family gathering you don't want to spend an hour explaining you've nice. already you've already lost everybody like
2: you, you certainly have
3: <laughs> you sit down and it takes 20 minutes you've lost them so i think this is just a super fun one that you could bring out on you know holiday morning or um after dinner or something just to play or again like to just warm yourselves up for a more strategic game
2: maybe a good like icebreaker type game too
3: yeah i think i know um amera trash talk who's on instagram she has a game group for uh middle schoolers and i think they play this one because it's like a it's just a great way to sort of get people engaging in gaming before they move on to something else so
2: yeah i have a group of girl scouts now because that's where we're at in our our journey and uh, i think something like this they'd probably love how many so how many people can it play
3: um, I think it's five right there's it's each tray has like, a different character on it so that you could you could end up with fights about the character but it's three to five players so there's like Mickey Minnie Orch. so and we like it because like, Mickey ice cream bar- Mickey ice cream bars are our children's like all-time favorite treat which basically banks r- rubs us when we go to Disney now because they just keep going up in price but it's super fun to like see them on your board and to throw them at other people. So that's we great. do have like a house rule though. If you throw it off the table, you have to go get it. So that can really mess you up. So while you're throwing, you still got to kind of be in control. Cause if you that's lose a it-
2: good one, cause I could see them just kind of throwing them here and there willy nilly.
3: No, you got to have a couple of ground rules on the, like, don't hit people on the face with your, you're, you're really just <laughs> throwing them on the table, but still like one could just shoot off the table. So if you threw it and it's off the table, you got to go get it. And that's going to cost you rolling time. So they're pretty good about making sure. And there's like a tray in the middle too that you is one of the options of places you can end up like okay. almost like
2: an L center. like an LCR. Right. But just, um, a left, right center game, but it's, um, yeah, exactly. Yes. Basically.
3: Yes. That's exactly but it's
2: cooler. Right. Because that it's great?
3: And I've heard, I haven't played it, but I've heard there is a, a new one. I think that just came out. That's a Harry Potter version, oh, but no. I, th- I think you're collecting versus getting like, instead of trying to empty your tray, I think you're trying to collect certain names but don't hold me to that because I literally just saw someone play it and I have not done the research, but.
2: Okay. We're going to look it up.
3: If you're interested in this type of game and want to look at that, you know, skin on it, I would check that one out too.
2: Great. First pick.
1: Thank you. All right.
3: So that's, I think our easiest game, basic play. And then is going to talk about.
1: Okay. Yep. So our next game that we're going to talk about is super mega lucky box. Uh, so this, if you're familiar with silver and gold, is you're familiar very... with silver and gold
2: because you yeah, you very... turned us on to it it's fabulous
1: <laughs> so but it is either out of print or between printings kind of hard to come by now um, oh. and this is from the same designer a uh, different company it's out of game right so you know it's going to be great uh, but essentially in this game very much like silver and gold uh, instead of flipping over a card that has a polyomino on it you're flipping over a card with a number on it and then you're scratching out numbers on essentially multiple little bingo boards that you have but as you fill in rows and columns, you get bonuses. So there's a strategy to picking which number you f- scratch off on your multiple boards that you can choose and trying to get good combos and essentially run actually a little bit of an engine uh, of efficiency. So um, I think that when you talk about trying to play a game like this uh, intergenerationally, like you could pitch this to grandparents as like kind of, hey, you know, if you can play bingo, you can handle this. Um, It's quick, which is nice. You know, another thing that we try to avoid is games that overstay their welcome uh, because kids' attention spans just aren't the same. Uh, And we've had uh, good times playing this, both a seven and nine-year-old handle this one, do this one very well. Uh, And the six-year-old or the soon to be six-year-old, she can play it mechanically. She just, you know, isn't quite there figuring out like strategically which thing she's going to do, but she can get into it. And it's kind of like silver and gold. It's got that fun element of, which is sort of novel to people of being able to use a dry erase marker and write on the cards, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think some people kind of dig. It makes it so you're not, you know, using a whole bunch of paper and, you know, having little score sheets, like flying around your house. Um,
3: And one of the good things about this one too, is that it plays up to six players which is nice in like a family group. Like we're always going like to play people. two can as play, well. Uh, you can play solo. Oh, uh, well, That's always too. exciting. So yeah. It's one to six players. Um, so that one I like for another family gathering, because again, finding games that you can play, you know, more than five players, even more than four can be challenging.
2: Yeah, it certainly can. Six is nice. How long does it play? 20, 20, 30 minutes? minutes.
3: Yeah. I think it's
2: under less, 30.
3: I think, yeah, it's always under 30. I'd say like 20 at the most probably.
2: So is there, is there some math involved with where you're scratching off numbers or it's just the spatial no, trying to make patterns? Yes.
3: Yeah. It's just scratching the numbers off. And then, just, yeah, you're not adding your, your spaces or anything like that, but depending on which card you put it on, like when you're doing silver and gold and you're laying the polyominoes, depending on how you, where you choose to put it, you can help yourself bonus to, you know, get extra turns or whatever that one.
1: Right, and as the kids try to grow in strategy, there's a limited number of each number in the deck. And so as you know, things have come out, you know what is more likely to come out versus what isn't, but that's getting into a level of strategy that we don't really see with a seven or a nine-year-old. But it's certainly something you can get into.
3: So yeah, you know, we're like huge fans of silver and gold. I still, if I had to choose, Part of my brain still likes silver and gold because I like that polyomino aspect of it. I think the kids don't always get the opportunity to think from a game schooling perspective. I still mm-hmm. love silver and gold, but from what we've heard, I think when they're out of copies of the of silver and gold, they're not reprinting. That's what I've heard. So it, that could have changed. That's
2: terrible.
3: I know. It makes me so sad. So if you need a replacement mm-hmm. and you can't get a hold of that, this would be our replacement choice.
2: All right. Super was, mega like, lucky I wish box. Could,
3: I wish you could show it because it's got like like um schoolhouse rock type yeah
2: yeah I I saw it when it came out and I was like I wasn't sure you know but it was game right so I should have just been like oh yeah it's like Sleeping Queens 2 just came out and I'm like I mean I guess I just need to buy it because I just buy
3: it if it's game right basically just buy it you'll play it you'll like it (laughs) yeah no that's that's Typical. I mean, yeah, I don't think we met a game right game. Even ones that people have said like, oh, we don't like, like somebody told me oh, Abandon All Art jokes wasn't good. And we love that.
2: I it's love like, Abandon All Art Chokes. And- it is the perfect intro deck builder for it uh, kids. It's great. So, it doesn't get more basic than that one, I right? Know,
3: I know. But again, so basically I don't trust anybody. I just trust game, right? They're putting out good things and they are always, they they were we've done donations of games in the past and they were very generous last year donating games to um, fostering hope for foster kids which was just just put them even higher in my book so we're, oh, we're that's there. great to hear and speaking of companies that we like have you guys played any uh grandpa Bex games
2: you know uh, we gave our i think we gave my dad skull king for christmas okay. last year but we don't think we played any
3: Skull King is a great one to play at family gatherings, but I don't think that one's approachable for kids. It's it is a great adult game. We play that like every time, like every time he goes to like a guy's like weekend, they play that like all weekend.
1: Yeah, I Um, went to a guy's weekend where we were gonna play tons of big strategy games. We had all these grand plans and we wound up playing Skull King for like an entire day. Yeah. Wow. We wore my deck out.
3: But if you're looking for a grandpax game that is approachable for kids and like I don't know why it says age seven, but our five-year-old plays this game completely is a, uh, co- have you played cover your assets? No,
2: I've heard, I've heard of it, but
3: so when somebody like recommended this game and I was like, Oh no, you can't play that game with kids. Listen to the title. Like that is no, <laughs> and, like, yeah. besides the innuendo on the title, there is absolutely nothing like inappropriate about the game. Yeah. Um, It's a really, really simple card game. Again, one that I think plays super well intergenerationally plays pretty quickly Um, But basically what you're doing is you're making pairs in your own individual stack and those are your assets. And then you're trying to steal assets from others and then people are stealing from you and then you can block them stealing. They can block you. So it's a lot of back and forth. Um, Our five and seven year old love this game so much. Like this game comes off the shelf more than any other game and they play it completely independently. I don't, think they're always following the rules because there is a two-player variant where you're like supposed to put more cards out and they kind of just steal from each other so it doesn't play as well with two players but um but it's so approachable for young kids and it's so I think fun for you know for grandparents to play with little kids like we took this one on vacation and played it with my parents and my sister and my and our kids the so three generations are playing the game um the thing, it is almost completely take that because you're constantly stealing and being stolen from. And our kids don't typically like take that games. I think they're growing into them. and We we think take that games are important to teach them like a, an emotional lesson. Like, you know what I mean? It's like important to yeah, not have things take taken from,
2: away.
3: Yeah, like you have to be flexible and your plan might have to change. But this one, I don't think... Even if your child has a problem with a take that game, I think because stealing is the name of the game, like everybody's doing it. So even if someone takes something from you, you're like, oh, I'm going to take that back. Like, I just need to, once I get this card, I'm going to like, it's happening so much that there's constant opportunity to steal and be that being stolen from doesn't feel as bad. And there's not that element of like, I don't like take that when you've like built something and you're like, I built this beautiful, like like unfair. We play without the take that because I built my beautiful theme park and you're going to destroy it. Like I, that makes me upset. But in this case, it's like someone's just taking a couple of cards off your pile. So I, I don't think it's a deal breaker for someone who has family members who don't like take that and could even be a good growth experience for them depending on the kids. But, um, I just think this one is really, really fun. Like it's one of our top play for our kids. Our kids are, I mean, constantly playing it off the shelf. But again, a group of grown-ups could play it. A game group could play it because it takes just a few minutes to learn. And a lot of grandpa back's games, I think almost all of them include like elements to let you sort of scale it, make it a little more complicated or make it easier if you're mm-hmm. playing with kids or if you're playing with just adults. So That's we great. like a lot of the games. But this one I think is probably our favorite family game that we would play at what our first category is, is intergenerational family gathering games. So, so how many does it play? Uh, up to six.
2: Oh, but that's I, good. So I mean, it's another big one.
3: Yeah. yeah and comfortably, honestly, and
1: Comfortably up to six because sometimes the boxes lie about how many people can play. That's very true. Like you can play six, but you wish you weren't.
3: And I don't <laughs> see, honestly, I don't see why you couldn't play. Like it might get a little more chaotic if you, played seven or eight but like there's no there's nothing that would break the game if you had seven and you wanted to play it just may end the game quicker because you're going to go through cards quicker and you and you end the game when you can't make any more pairs and run out of cards so like i don't think i really think you could play with yeah. seven or even eight
1: but yeah this a is pinch. but yeah and this game is stronger at higher yes. player counts So it's not, yeah, again, it's not one of those ones where it's like, well, you could play six, but you kind of wish you were playing with four, like, you're going to be happy at six players with this game.
3: Like, I prefer it with four or more. So like, Mm -hmm. like, you can play it with two or three, but it definitely shines with bigger groups, which is why we also put it in our like family, you know, gathering game. Category right. arbitrarily made up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to check that one out. That sounds really good.
3: Yeah, I think because you're, you're, you have a six year old, and then how old is your youngest?
2: Three. So she's okay, still so coming they, up.
3: But like, I feel like our our five year old played this, has been playing it almost a year. So maybe even when she was like almost five, she started playing it. She
1: also really enjoys, being oh my gosh, evil.
3: she loves stealing. She's like so good at it because she so aggressively steals. <laughs> like, it's, kind of disturbing and also playing funny. games <laughs> but yes they love because like someone can steal from you and then you like if you play a card on top of it you'll go like you'll put like three cards down and so they're like no you can't steal. yes i can't no you can't and then it's like then you have this stack that's like in like a lot more valuable so then other people are trying to steal that stack because like once you you're adding value to that like stack of assets if that's make if that makes sense mm-hmm just play it. You'll love it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to check that one out. That sounds really good.
3: Um, so then going kind of in the opposite direction. So we went like simplest, most basic games. You could teach someone in a few minutes. Um, these are, I wouldn't say they're complicated. I would still definitely like, we're going to have a game night tomorrow night with some friends and any of these, I would pull out for like people who were like sort of newer to games or, or, you know, weren't ready for heavy strategy. But these are games that we think will like satisfy a strategy gamer, but also are approachable for kids and new gamers, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, you would play this and be like, okay, this scratches the itch of like, I want to play something strategic, but I want my kids to be involved. Um, So the first one, have you heard of, of Canvas? No. Oh, it's amazing. Okay, this is one of our favorite games. So it is... really unique like again I wish we could show you the box because the box is actually a painting oh that's beautiful hang it on your wall if you want to like it is made to slide in and out with like oh that's great so not that you would want to do that but if you wanted to you could do it so you're playing as painters and you're competing to make the best paintings so what's really cool about them are the there's you're collecting these art cards and they're clear plastic cards, except they each have like a different artistic element on them. So they might have like a child floating through the air on a moon or like a tree or, um, I don't know, like a penguin. I don't, I don't think there's penguin They're They're still, they're like pretty artistic. There might be penguin. (laughs) They're pretty, like, they look artistic. Are Um, they like
2: Dixit artistic or just like regular artistic?
3: So they're clear primarily, but like the painting, the drawing on it is like a, like a, just like one artistic element. And then you layer them together Oh, interesting! and you make a painting. And so like they'll cover the three oh, cards. I, I
2: see Use them cards, all together, stacking them. Yeah,
3: we'll layer together to make one painting and then you put them on a backdrop.
2: Oh, so, that is very neat.
3: So that is really cool. Like just the cards themselves are beautiful. They're really fun to look at. They all have like you know, a name on the bottom. So you might put it together and have like childhood dread is the name of your picture like when you make it. So it's kind of fun to like make your paintings and then share them. Like I have made a whimsical um, existence or something is like the one you've made. And so the kids get a kick out of like presenting their card. Anyway, so how you play the game though, you collect cards, you are stacking them together and you have to, to some degree, strategically stack them because you're trying to have a set of icons available at the bottom that show you how you can score your painting. So everybody shares a set of um, goals that they're trying to satisfy. Like there's group goals out on the table and you're trying to make your painting to meet those group goals. And you can tell if you've met those group goals by the icons that are at the bottom of the painting. But when you layer your cards, you might cover up an icon that you didn't want to be covered or you need. So you have to like strategically figure, okay, which one's on top, which one's on the bottom? Do I want to use this one in a different painting instead? Um, And then once players have created and scored three paintings, the game ends. So everybody gets to make their three paintings, which is also a nice part of the game. You're not like trying to make them as fast as you can. Like there's a a real like balance of everybody gets to play and have their creations. I think this is one of those ones, even where you lose, you're like, I made this beautiful, I made this beautiful gallery of these three paintings. So you don't like feel sad if you've lost Mm -hmm. because kids, that's always a good element to it. Cause some kids handle losing not as well as other, you know, they, they want to win. And this one is one of those ones where you like, are just so pleased with the outcome that you almost don't even care who won, but you get like little ribbon tokens for each painting that have the scores. Um or that like help you score, so it's just the components are amazing, like nothing like not I don't want to say nothing because board games have insanely good components these days, but one of the higher quality, like one of the just well put together games, and there's lots of different with the goals, you can change the variations of how you play, so there's simpler goals that we use for the kids, and we'll use those same goals a couple games in a row so that they kind of get familiar with it and then as they've been playing the game where we'll change them out for more complicated goals or
2: so um, are you drawing cards into your hand and then deciding how
1: you're going to use them laid
3: out on a on a um map it's like a mm-hmm. like a neoprene map
1: right uh, or what, what it's is cloth it? yeah cloth mat. so instead of a board there's a cloth mat and the elements those clear plastic cards that contain painting elements and icons are coming out from you know left to right And you have a currency in the game called inspiration tokens that you can use to buy ones that are further down the line. And if you buy Mm -hmm. ones that are closer to the end of the line, you pick up the inspiration tokens that were used to buy them.
3: So like once you, so there's like, I think it's five, Mm -hmm. there's five art cards that are down. And like, if you take the first one, it's free. But if you want the second one, you have to put one inspiration token on it. If you want the third one, you have to put one on the the second one, one on the third one. Or- if you want to decide like how badly do you want it exactly and then if you're the one so then those inspiration tokens will build up on the art card so when you take one of the cards you get all the inspiration tokens that other people have put on the card and that's how you get your inspiration tokens back um so again this one is one i think does play better with like there is a variant that you can use to play two players Mm -hmm. because you have to distribute inspiration tokens more but it plays we play for pretty much exclusively and that is the best um i think that's a really good player range but it does play solo and it can play up to five players which again finding a five-player game nice option the yeah. one thing that
1: takes is, about 30 minutes
3: yeah i, I would say at the most probably mm-hmm. but the one thing that's weird about this game to me is that it says it's 14 age 14 plus on the box and i i've got to believe that's because they didn't want to go through the like process of making their components safe for kids, you know, like there's
2: yeah,
3: hazards and you have to go through, like
1: well, it doesn't even this. necessarily mean that the components aren't safe for children younger than that. It means they didn't want to it necessarily, it's possible they just didn't want to take the time to go through the process or the cost and just said mm. 14 plus, cause that's kind of your max. Um, otherwise, if you want to go lower than that, you have to go through a process when you're making a game of having basically the government say yes, You can say this is good for nine plus based on choking hazard and stuff like that.
2: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: So I don't know where they got that number fourteen plus because I do think it's very appropriate for kids half that age. Yeah.
3: So someone might look at this game and say, "Oh, I looked it up on you know BGG and it says fourteen plus." That is completely like do not be scared of this game because of that. Like our seven nine year old play completely independently, even to the point where they can like figure out the strategy of it, and our five-year-old plays with like a little bit of like, do you want to put that one underneath so you can score for this? And honestly, sometimes she just wants to make the paintings. They don't even care about the scoring. They just want to make the one they want. So like, if they want to do that, that's fine. Like, well, you know, it's part of the process of playing, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is one of the prettiest and like most unique games I think we have. And we have our oldest is really into art too. So like, this was a no brainer for us to get, but we were just very surprised how much we liked it. And how good it was for like someone who wanted to play a strategy game too. Yeah, I'll sense. say
1: as like the sort of board game hobbyist in this talk, Yeah, he's um, like- for me, this is like one of the great examples of like innovation in the hobby coming into the family gaming realm, um, just with these clear cards and putting cards together to make something. It's probably, I, of the games that we're going to talk about, it's one of the ones I'm the most enthusiastic about because I think it's something where you get it And it's beautiful. It's using its components absolutely perfectly. Um, And you'll play it and be like, well, I have never seen anything like that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's nice
3: to do
2: something different.
3: Yeah, everything, every like thing is really laid out really well in the rules. Like they've just really thought through everything. Like the variations you can play. It's just, it's so good. So, so so good. Yeah, that one's high, high on our list. Uh um, right. so then we have like a, this is an oldie mm-hmm. but a goodie
1: well yeah old and old uh hobby board gaming years uh, uh this uh is caruba yeah
3: you i couldn't do a podcast with you without putting a hobby game on there
2: mm. we have had Hobba our eye games. on caruba for a long time but we don't have that one
3: a lot of hobby games are more in the kid game realm so this is one that's definitely a family game or adults only too
1: yeah actually um in the board gaming that i belong to in our city uh you'll see like a table full of you know grown folks playing this one uh so uh this is caruba uh is the 2016 spiel the jars winner and uh, as we said it's from habbo which is one of our favorite game companies um and what this game what you're doing in this game is you're trying to guide your explorer from their starting spot to a temple to collect a treasure and the first person to get to the temple of a given color gets to take the most valuable treasures. There's a speed element to it. The trick of it is everybody's playing on their own identical board. So you know where your explorers start and you know where the temples are and then tiles are coming out that you use to construct your paths tiles come out in the same order for everybody. So everybody's got the same set of tiles they're working with and they've been randomized, but they're coming out in the same order.
3: So like number but- 13 will come up, everybody plays tile 13. So it's the exact mm-hmm. same tile, looks exactly the same, but the way you play it will look completely different than the person
1: next to you. Exactly, mm-hmm. so where you place the tile and how you use it is completely up to you. And so it's kind of an efficiency path building game. You know, one of the stronger elements of it is that while it is competitive, like there's definitely like you're trying to beat your opponents, there's really nothing you can do to hurt them. You're simply working on trying to get your efficiency puzzle uh, to be kind of mapped out better than anybody else's.
3: I think mm-hmm. the theme is really like fun for kids to like collecting treasure. Like as you move your explorer along the path, they'll collect like little diamonds, little gold pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I struggle with this game, with this game is that the setup like laying out all the tiles in numerical order takes a little bit of time and then like someone is usually the caller so what we've done is used an app that actually does the like decides what tile is next so like that takes the pressure off one person from having to do that job so that kind of solved that problem for us and it has like really fun background music of like Mm -hmm. like you know what you'd hear at disney and like adventure land as you're walking to like just makes it like a fun dynamic when we play it. We always have the app going to like, tell us what tile to play next and it plays the music in the background. So that's a fun little like aspect of that that is not part of the game, but it's fun. I think it's fun when there's things that go with the game. Like we have Wingspan and it has like a bird calling app. So you can like scan the card and hear what the bird call sounds like.
2: Oh man, we're gonna have to get that. We have Wingspan as well. And I didn't know about that.
3: Yeah, yeah. great for homeschool, like for educational stuff.
2: Yeah. Um, So this is kind of cool. It's nice. Karuba's got this, you know, no interaction, which I think after you've taken, you've played a couple like Take That games or other games, sometimes it's nice to be like, I'm just working on my own little plot here. Yeah. Yeah. No one affects me.
1: Yes. This is a cerebral, you know, kind of sit there and as the tiles come out, think about how you want to use them. If a kid needs a, you know, or a family, you just want to have it be a little bit quieter, a little bit more chill. It's, I think it's, quite fun. And again, the real uh, fun of it comes from the excellent components and the way you're building a little jungle. And I think if you have uh, the free app going, uh, you know, playing again, yes, yeah, some background sort of generic jungle uh, sounds, you know, it kind of becomes a little bit of an immersive thing. But again, not quite not as amped up as say Mickey and friends food fight, you know, which is basically like a, you know, Girl Scout icebreaker turned into a board game. <laughs>
3: our 7-year-old plays this one fine. Our our 5-year-old has not played it though. I think it would just be a little bit too much. Yeah. And how many
1: players
2: does it take?
3: Um it is 2 to, two four. to 4. So, kind of in your basic range. Your right.
2: Own. Maybe yeah, half half hour?
3: Yeah, I'd say half hour. Half hour
1: tops.
2: So, and there's multiple treasures that you're going for, right? That's my memory. There's multiple temples to try to work towards. Yeah, you're
3: getting, there's multiple temples to get to. And whoever gets to that temple first gets the highest like number of points. So you can be going after different temples and something like ultimately you're trying to get to all of them, but typically there's at least one you're going to miss. So it's just, however you decide to strategize, which again, I think is kind of, at first, I feel like this is one of those ones where you play at first, where you're like hiding your board. Cause you don't want like someone to copy you. But then after you've laid a few tiles, like everybody's just doing their own thing.
2: Like, right. Um, it's too, it's too different at that point.
3: Yeah. So it's a good one. I, I feel like you could probably find it for resale since it's a couple of years old at this mm-hmm. point. Um,
2: yeah. It's one that's pretty popular though. You don't find it for real sale that often.
3: I was going to say, part, people don't let go of it. Cause it, it does like, again, meet that like strategy gamer itch, but like could totally teach it to someone and start playing it within five to 10 minutes, which you know is a really valuable thing when you want to incorporate family or kids into something like if we try to spend 40 minutes explaining game to our kids we've lost them that's like their full attention span that's all the attention span they have for the entire gaming experience
1: or the grandparents
3: or the grandparents yeah so we can't (laughs) right we've got to have like you know this takes us five minutes to explain and 20 to 30 minutes to play kind of is like the sweet spot for us when we're playing like a family game with kids um you know, maybe we can push it to 40, but generally we try to stick 30. In. A lot of times too, it's like, we're trying to get them to bed and they're like, can we play a game? We're like, of course we're not going to say no, but you also have to go to bed. So this has got to be not an hour long game. Um, so the next one we have is uh, Copenhagen. Again, not like a brand new game, but not at, probably, I don't think, it, I think it's only a couple of years old. I think we got it at Origins. Um, but so <laughs> Copenhagen is this really pretty, a uh, polyomino tile game which we if you know me I love oh it's 2019 okay um,
2: yeah, it was the I, lost years it feels I know. like it was forever ago
3: right before it was right before i forgot all existence um so anyway it's laying polyomino tiles to fill up a building basically so you're trying to build like you have like a building in front of you and you're taking colored cards and you're you're collecting you're doing like a set collection of cards and then you're laying down polyominoes to fill in horizontal horizontal lines and vertical lines i just put those two words together um and then as you fill those columns and fill those rows you are gaining like bonuses and scoring points that way so it's pretty simple to me this one feels the most like tetris because it is like this mm-hmm. it looks like a Tetris, you know the way it's
2: mm-hmm.
3: an up and down building feels like you're putting tetris pieces in and it's just really beautifully designed really pretty colors um there so this is one again i think people would look and be like oh this is a game for adults but our seven-year-old has been playing it i think since he was five mm-hmm. and again he is our gamer so like i don't know that i would say a five-year-old could play this but i think there are some five-year-olds could play but i'd say seven is definitely approachable the one nice thing about it is they have these power like you basically have like power tiles that you can activate to play an additional card or to gather something, you know, to, to give yourself a bonus or to do a a, it's like a tool that you can use to enhance what you're trying to do without having to take another turn. And so when we started playing with him, we would just play with like one of those instead of playing with all of them. So it is another one where you can kind of like, take a little bit out or add a little bit to it depending on how you want to scale it to who you're playing with. But it's not that complicated. It's another one of those, like you're pretty much focused on building your own thing and filling your own stuff, but you are racing the person next to you to some degree because the the faster you fill in your columns and rows, the more points you're going to score quicker. And then it's one that whoever gets to, the score cap first wins. So it's not like everybody can fill in their whole building. It's you Mm -hmm. do have to like strategize what's going to score me the most points, the fastest, should I finish this vertical line or should I focus on the horizontal? Um, But it's just really pretty. And I think it's one that I recommend if you want like a game that you want to play with your spouse on like a nice, you know, little date night game, but that you also want to play with your seven, eight, nine plus child. And so is it,
2: It's got like some good spatial reasoning, right? Because you've got to figure out what, you know, different, you know, configurations of these polyominoes can fit.
3: Yeah. And like there's windows on the tile. So if you have a row with all windows, you get more points than if you like had put a row or put a tile in that you didn't line up the windows. So you have to like kind of figure out how am I going to maneuver this to fit in, to give me the most points.
1: Yeah. This one is uh, it's kind of about the weight of a, like a ticket to ride. And in fact, it kind of okay. borrowed one of the uh, card drawing elements from ticket to ride. Uh, so it's very much kind of in that wheelhouse of like adults can get a bunch out of it, but kids can definitely approach it, mm-hmm. except instead of laying out trains where, so you're thinking about how are you going to make your quickest path from one place to another, or your path that's going to incorporate a lot of different places like ticket to ride. This one is the ticket to ride card drawing element mashed up with Tetris polyomino placement. And so, but oh, it's quite cool. about in that wheelhouse uh, about the same length too, it takes about half an hour uh, to play. And again, some good scalability by being able to strip out some of the elements that might appeal to your more strategic gamers um, to just make it so that there's less for kids who are going to play to think about without actually removing any of the competitiveness of the game.
2: That's really great. So how many does it play?
1: It is uh, two to four
2: okay great another i feel
3: like the strategy ones we are sharing are exactly what a strategy game would be which is
1: two to four players you know like
2: yeah
3: those those ones that play really quick and are easy to learn that we talked about first are the ones that play to six players a lot because they're meant for like a more dynamic group and this is definitely more like your normal sort of count um so I'm gonna let you talk about the last one because I haven't actually ever played this game this is why he's here because oh, okay this is, this is another oldie very yes. old
1: so yeah we were trying maybe to, older we were, than us no we were trying to well it might depends on what month it came out because it actually came out the year we were born um, oh so wow just, yeah That's survive nice. escape from Atlantis um so this is uh still obvious, for sale It is. Yeah. It's been reprinted many times. Because it's currently available. The expansions for it aren't much to my chagrin, but uh, the base game, which is all you need, is currently available. Uh, Two to four players. uh, I would recommend three or four. I think two would be very difficult. Um, And so in this game, you're basically trying to get all of your little people off of a sinking island. Uh, The center of the board is an island that's sinking. And the way it's sinking is by each player consecutively drawing tiles off the island and causing it to fall into the ocean. And when you draw the tile on the back of it is something that tells you what you need to do, whether it's uh, move a shark or move a kraken or move a whale or place a new shark, kraken or whale. And so these sea creatures are running around and they're basically gobbling up your explorers who you're trying to get to safety. Um, by getting them from the island to the mainland, which is the outside of the board, essentially. Um, So when you play, uh, you have the opportunity to move your people, either on land, on boats, or swimming in the ocean, and then you draw a tile that tells you what to do, and then you roll a die that lets you move sea creatures, essentially. Mm, Um, Interesting. It is... uh, Definitely a classic. My, the one thing I will warn: strong cutthroat element. Um, you
2: somebody's uh, got to get eaten. All, so
1: all the games that we're talking about here, uh, this is definitely the one where you have to build some emotional resiliency uh, going into it or playing it. However, because it's so dynamic, there's so much going on, and there's so much opportunity to. Uh, if somebody gets you you're definitely going to be able to get them back Um, and there are ways to mitigate your risk by putting your people with other people's explorers so they can't you know just attack you willy-nilly despite the fact that there I'll be very honest there's been some friction (laughs) there uh, there's been some friction you know with the kids playing this game it's one of the ones they ask for the most because I think it kind of they get that sense of like, okay, you know, three of my people got their boat capsized and got eaten by a Kraken, but next time I won't do that and I'll come up with some better way to handle it. Um,
3: yeah, so this one we held off playing with them I for know. a while. Like, he's had this game for at least a year and we just sort of didn't bring it out because we weren't sure our kids were ready for the take that element of it. And so we really didn't start playing until they were over seven, and like they're seven and a half and nine and a half. So um so this one is probably like a little bit on the higher age range of the ones we're sharing Maybe mm-hmm. because of that needing to be mature
2: enough to <laughs> handle your exploring. Yeah.
1: But I mean, there's a reason that, you know, every child psychologist has a copy of the game, sorry, in their office. <sighs> you know, it, there is an importance to learning that. And this is a fun way. It is just a fun way to do it.
3: In a non-violent way to attack your siblings.
1: <laughs> I like
2: that. So your kids are feeling a little aggression. Like, all right, we're getting not, out. Escape from Atlantis. Everybody exactly. calm down.
3: But I feel like a lot of people, like if people are listening to this, I bet I guarantee there's people who are like, I played that when I was a kid. Because I feel like it pops up a lot. Like people will like bring out the, co- they go to their grandparents' house and they find their copy and they play and they're like, remember how good it was. So.
2: We had a game when I was a kid called Lost Treasure, and you had like a, you were like a diver for treasure, and you press these buttons, and you would go down, 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 and you would maybe hit treasure or not, and then you would be running out of oxygen. So you'd be like, okay, I'll just go one more, I'll I'll dive one more, and you and you had a grid, you could like pick numbers, which square you're gonna dive in before you run out of air and die. Um, and that was really fun. You get your treasure and you have to go away. And I re- I remember that the tension of it being very exciting. And sounds mm-hmm. sounds like this one too. There's a tension element like. Y- you know you don't know if you're going to be okay and that's kind of an exciting element in the game
1: yeah it definitely uh brings a significant amount of tension for again a pretty quick little 45 minute game uh really nice like table presence you set it up and the kids are looking at it like oh there's this island with all of our explorers all over it mm-hmm. what's going to happen and you start saying well you're going to take the tiles and the island's disappearing
3: and this one's also a two to four players so D- Didn't realize that when I clumped them together that we had, you know, inadvertently sort of (laughs) divided them by player count in a way too. So that's uh, all the ones for our strategy. Games that are approachable for new gamers and or children will say generally seven and up, but take that with a grain of salt. There will be five-year-olds who can play some of these games. No problem. There'll be nine-year-olds who will not want anything destroyed and cannot place (laughs) to survive
1: or whatever
2: but we're doing we're going for some social emotional learning today not just uh that's a big
3: part of that's what i was saying when i was saying soft skills too you're learning how to lose you're learning how to handle people attacking your stuff because people are going to attack you (laughs) i mean not like physically maybe but people will hurt your feelings or take your stuff And,
1: and while i don't believe in throwing games to your children on purpose all the time um man uh, listening to my kids cackle when they use a Kraken to destroy a boat and eat all my explorers, you know, it yeah. makes me happy.
3: <laughs> I do find when we play take-back games with kids, it does help when there's a little bit of, like, gang up on mommy or daddy. Like, you know, mm, if we're playing right. with them like, independently, they couldn't play together because then someone would cry. But, like, if as long as we're there to be the, like, enemy, mm-hmm. you know, the one that they gang up against, then generally that helps, like, if you're, if you're looking for a strategy – to help your kids, you know, again, you shouldn't always throw the game or like, you know, not play to your level. There's, I think there's, a, you need to know your kids and you need to figure out like what that balance is for you. And some people it's never, and some people it's all the time, do your thing. But I think um, if you want to sort of walk that line of helping them be able to play a little more, take that it's you play that, take that where they take, against mommy and daddy more you know they
2: nice too for them to team up as well you know sometimes that's kind of cool
3: it is so important we have four kids we want them to like be a a unit we want them to have sibling love and like feel like they're on a team and i think that's another thing that games do for them you know like they're not always against each other we play a lot of cooperative games or they're up against mommy and daddy because they think it's funny to watch us lose and they get excited when they you know go against us so we have one more category, and there's only three in this category, but um, these are games that we would suggest if you were itching for some game schooling still, but you don't want it to completely hit you over the head. Like one of these games, I was like, oh, we got to include this one because it has a lot of addition and subtractions. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you've played this game like 20 times. How do you not know that there's addition and subtraction? He's like, that's just not how I would think of this game. But like for me, <laughs> I'm thinking of like, this is great. So we'll get to that one. But um, do you want to share about Quirky Circus?
1: So um, Danielle hasn't had the opportunity to play this one with the kids Mm -hmm. yet, but uh, a game that I've really enjoyed playing with them is called Quirky Circuits. Uh, And so what you're doing in this game is you are cooperatively trying to uh, guide a robot through tasks on the board. And the board is actually a spiral bound book with about 20 different boards on it in it. So you just, once you've completed one, you go to the next page and they get steadily more and more difficult. And the way that you guide your robot through its tasks, which in the first few missions is just a Roomba that you're trying to get around sucking up dust bunnies uh, without running into furniture. The way you move it around is by playing cards that you have in your hand that your partners can't see that either tell the Roomba to go forward one, forward two, backward one, backward two, Or turn. And when you play those cards, you put them face down and all your partners know is if your card lets the Roomba move forward or backwards or turn, they can't tell what you've actually done exactly. They have to infer. And then when you're done playing cards that you think are useful, your partner can play some cards and then you can play some more. And then you flip them all over and see what you program the robot to do. Uh, you're not allowed to communicate. You're cooperatively. It's cooperative. Yeah. You're trying to get. And so every time you do a hand, so you play out as many of your cards as you want, you flip them over and you see what you've made the robot do. The power meter goes down by one. And the goal in the first few levels, for example, is to suck up all the dust bunnies before you run out of battery. Very, very clever little way to introduce the concept of programming Um, It's cooperative. So again, we've been talking about a lot of like, Hey, be ready for some emotional struggles. This one, not so much just uh, the hilarity that ensues when you, when you accidentally make the robot just spin around in a circle instead of successfully completing the mission that you're supposed to. Um, But really getting a sense of a basic idea of what programming language consists of. And then also, uh making inferences about what your partners are doing with limited ability to communicate
3: so it's like mm. introduction to coding <laughs> and mm. nonverbal communication communication <laughs> how like important that is or can be yeah so this is one nice. it's kind of similar to like it, it's by the same person as stuffed fables right it's the so same Clad company hat. that
1: made stuffed fables yeah. so you guys
3: played or heard of stuffed fables no we haven't
2: i've heard of it i haven't played it
3: it's another one of those like book games. So those, so Stuff Fables is our seven-year-old and hit, and Chaz's like father-son game that they play through. So like, they've just ended up being the same way with this game, like unintentionally. It's just, this is the one, the two, another one that the two of them just always sit down and play together. That's why I haven't played yet. Cause it's always like a daddy-son <laughs> game. And I, I can't, you know, mess that up. Like I'm not welcome in that game. No, just, so I'm just, I'm trying to be another play by but-
2: So how do you, how do you like non-verbally, because you're just putting down these cards and they can't see. So how do you kind of work together?
1: So when I play with my son, the first time we played was just total chaos because I didn't have (laughs) any guidance whatsoever. You know, again, you've got a hand of, in the case of a two player game, five cards that again, are just basic directions forward, backwards, or turn.
3: And you both have the same hand right? No. Oh, you you don't. Okay. I'm wrong. Don't listen. You don't have the same
1: cards, (laughs) but on the back. And again, on the back of the card, it does indicate whether or not this card is a forward backward movement or a turn card. So if you know that your goal is to get the robot, you know, two spaces over and then make a left turn to get to the next dust bunny, you could look down at what your partner put down and make some inferences that okay they've probably moved forward to to get that dust bunny and then they put down a turn card well hopefully it's a turn to the left because that's where the next one is you know what i mean but mm. then they stop putting down cards because they must not have had anything useful so now i'll put down a couple and then you s- see what happens and that's just fun. in playing with my son um, the first level we won barely um, because we, he didn't understand. The second level, we played it and we lost. Um, but then he kind of got the idea like, oh, okay, when you stop putting down cards because you didn't have anything useful as opposed to just playing everything in your hand because you thought that's what you had to do. So there's a lot of learning that goes on, but it's really quick to set up, really quick to play. Your level doesn't go well. You just put all the things back on and go again.
3: And like, I don't think our seven-year-old would look at this game be like oh this is an educational game but like Mm -hmm. there's definitely like a lot of you know with the coding aspect and the like trying to sort of infer what other people are putting down there's a lot of educational value to it so
1: and as the as you get deeper into the scenario book you get into things that are more complicated than just move forward move backward left and right it's not just that for an entire book of scenarios there's like jumps and you know, things that you can't run into and things that you need to run into in an order that you need to do things. So again, it just, I really love the idea. I love games where um, it kind of grows. Like you start at one place and as you play through it with the same kid or a couple of kids, you um, watch them kind of learn and pick up tricks. And I I just think that's fun.
3: But this is one you said we were talking about beforehand our stack of games and if we would use it at game night for adults only and you said this one you probably wouldn't play with all adults it, it is more like geared toward playing with a kid. is that kind of what you were saying
1: i would agree i mean but maybe that's just based on my taste in games i mean even if i was going to play something cooperative with grown-ups this just probably wouldn't be what i would go with though i mean frankly at the beginning of a game night people are rolling in it's kind of a funny way to sort of again yeah. see how poor we can be at it in of communication. <laughs> But you kind yeah. of I'm
2: similar so cool. to like uh Magic Maze where you're you know having to move move around and you can't talk about it. Have you guys played Magic Maze? No,
3: I, I think confess. we played Magic Labyrinth, but we haven't played Magic Maze. So Magic
2: Maze is a little bit similar we have it and uh you're like in a mall and each person can only move one way like I'm, I, I'm the only one that can move anyone forward (laughs) and somebody's the only one that can turn people or whatever. And so, you know, it's like somebody will move and then we're waiting because we need the other person to do the next step, take the next step in the plan. Um, but we we can't talk about it and it's all timed.
3: Okay. We have not played that for sure.
1: So very, that's, that's a great reference. Um, very similar only everybody has all the abilities. It's just a matter of putting them out in an appropriate Order and rather than being timed, you have a set number of turns that you can take.
2: Yeah, that's cool. I bet that would be really fun. Cool, great way to introduce you know beginning coding concepts. Yeah,
3: I think mm-hmm. our son is into that, so we thought this is a good you know way to take it off the screen a little bit too. You know, like we're yes we, we like him doing the screen stuff too, but it's like let's let, let's do this analog. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um not that I mean when you're coding, it is by definition typically digital, but <laughs> still I'm sure you could like, also
2: have a kid who concepts. could you know early on even solo just put the cards out to get the robot yeah. to the right place, yeah. right you know so just like by themselves, yeah, yeah, as an activity,
3: yeah that'd be great you for absolutely like a solo could.
1: that actually would have been a good way to teach them as opposed to failing <laughs> their second level.
3: <laughs> good tip you know harm no it. foul this totally like changed how everyone will play this game when they start out well i was and just thinking
2: like, about it we solo have, at first we have robot turtles which is okay, you know yeah. it's lower and they kind of but she she will our daughter will put her whole sequence there and then she's like yeah. running through in her brain like is this going to do yeah. everything i want it to do and this is neat because it adds the element where they're you're playing together and you can't talk but um definitely on those higher levels you could do this as a solo exercise which is kind of cool
3: that's a great idea yeah um so then our second to last game you you may know this game as a different game it is toy story obstacles and adventures it is literally you guys have shared hogwarts battle right
2: yes we love hogwarts, we battle. Love
3: hogwarts battle we love hogwarts battle too this is a complete just reskin of hogwarts battle with toy story
2: theme okay okay so cooperative
3: cooperative deck building game where you're trying to get the toys through their adventure
2: does it go through levels where you're going to progressively open new cards exactly
3: yeah. the same as oh, how, okay so it cool. starts out simpler it gets more complicated you add in new characters i think it's based on all the movies and then a couple of the shorts i don't is toy story 4 in it i think it might have come out before toy story 4 no, yeah so it's toy story one through three and then the, some of the shorts um so you're using the different characters so I think it's slightly different. Like if somebody played this, they're like, "That's not exactly the same as Hogwarts Battle" because it's just like some slight variations. Because you have like the um, the military. What are they called? The army men. The army men. You know, like so they're they like have things. They're like the army men are like the spells Mm -hmm. of Hogwarts Battle. So it just changes it like slightly. But if you can play Hogwarts Battle, you can play Toy Story Obstacles Adventure. The thing I like about this. And the reason I wanted to share it was because I don't think a lot of people know this one exists. I think a lot of people know, especially if they listen to your podcast and have heard you share um about Hogwarts Battle. I think people don't realize this one is out there. And our we we love Hogwarts Battle. It's one of our kids' favorite, seven to nine-year-old favorite games. But our problem is we have not finished the books and we will only right. let them play as far as they've read yes
2: so same problem
3: very stuck for a long time at one particular game which we don't have that same issue with the toy story version because they've seen all the movies it doesn't spoil things they're not like who's this character what are they doing you're know, like that and if we pull out something in Harry Potter they right yeah we have characters. to stop
2: she's like well can I can I play level four and I'm like no because no, not. Yes. We haven't read the fourth book yet so no you can't
3: so we ran into the same thing. We're like, okay, well, even though it's like basically the same game, we're getting toy stories, obstacle adventures, because we know it's going to be another year, at least before we finish. We're on like book five, I think. So it's going to be, so it's
2: the same mechanic. You've got like, uh, uh, locations filling up. You've got bad guys. You're, you're buying cards that will help you in this deck builder. And then you're yeah. all working together. You got health.
3: It, yep.
1: Exactly. It, it the It is same. the same game. okay so
2: yeah for folks who haven't played that that's kind of a it's a a a standard deck builder so you're going to draw a hand of five play from that hand and then you'll discard and draw a new hand of five and you're you're going to keep cycling that discard pile over and over um but as you acquire new items to go into your deck and make it better and you're battling bad guys yep and the thing
3: i i love both of the both of these hogwarts battle and this one um I love watching our kids do the combos. Like they always play the same characters. So they start to get to know like what special power they have or like what they want to have in their deck that will like combo well with their initial deck. Um, And I just think watching them, all that stuff click is so fun. And so I'm, I like that we've got, we've been able to get into the more complicated because it, it, that one does get more complicated as you go on too. So like, if you want to, be able to move into that level and you haven't read all the books. And I think there are also people who don't read Harry Potter. It's just not their thing, but I think this is a really good first deck builder and a great way to introduce deck building in a really fun um, theme, both of them. But if you're not a Harry Potter fan, for whatever reason, this is a good alternative. So you're not completely left out of what I think is a really excellent game. And I think you guys agree that.
2: Yeah, it really is. So what do you think is the age? I mean, I know, my, you know, almost seven year old is playing it. I I feel like that's kind of the right age.
3: Yeah. We started right when our son turned seven, like we got it for (sighs) Christmas. I want to say last year and he turned seven in January. So like right when he turned seven, he started. So there is reading to it though. So I think some of that is dependent on their reading level, but there's a lot of repetition in the reading. So this is why I kind of put it in the game schooling one, because I do feel like it really helps if you're playing it with a seven year old, it does help them like sneakily practice their reading oh that's
2: totally why I play with my daughter
3: they're looking at all the cards that are out in like the market or whatever and reading what they do and like reading what their cards do and then you so I like games that new readers are playing that include cards that have a little bit of text on them because they're not overwhelming there's generally repetition and it's just a great way to help them like practice reading in a non-threatening super fun way.
2: Yeah, I agree. Our our daughter doesn't even, I, th- I think she doesn't even think it's reading. I mean, she's just no. like, Oh yeah, this is the cards. And there's also what I, I like about some of the cards is they'll say like, Oh, you can have two hearts or you can have one money. And so you have to make some decisions. And so she's like adding in her head, like, well, how many do I need? Cause I want to purchase that card over there. Or, you know, so there's some decision-making too, that has to happen, which so I think a is little really
3: bit great. of game schooling, but not like hit you over the head. Like you've never pulled out this game and be like, this is a, you know, I'm teaching place value with this game or whatever, you right. know, it's like this is another, it's just a super fun family game where you're incorporating a little bit of sneaky learning.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great like. choice. We'll have to check that yeah.
1: out. And again, it does bring in that element of like, you get a lot of bang for your buck with it because uh, it's quite challenging. It's quite easy to lose. Um, which means you're going to come back for more. And again, like, Wars battle and like quirky circuits like other games that we've talked about it's a game that kind of grows your uh kiddos into it you start at the most rudimentary level and add rules every single time you play and so you can watch the kids become more facile more Mm -hmm. complicated strategies and thought processes and that's fun too
2: yeah, I like the progressive element that you, you get an initial deck of cards, and then assuming you've won that game, you get to open the next deck, and then it's got you know a few extra things or new rules. It's it's a it's a fun dynamic. But I agree with you; we have the problem of with Harry Potter having to stop.
1: So
3: so so this is a yeah, this is a good one. If you're not gonna read all the Harry Potter books by the time your kid is seven, then think about starting with Toy Story, and then it'll be exciting because they'll know how to play Hogwarts Battle, and then it'll be a whole new fun theme for them. So um so that that's why i want to share that when i knew you had done hogwarts battle but i feel like this is not known like even a lot of people who are like very involved in the gaming community when they see this game they're like wait a second is that just the same game in a different like they just don't know it exists so just another option out there and then the last game we're gonna share is i don't think it's is it that old it's it's another i would say maybe older but good not as old as Survive. 2011 but like, yeah 2011 so um this one we see all the time resale i don't know why because it's a great game i don't know why people are selling it they must just move on to something more complicated or whatever but um have you played king of tokyo
2: we have king of tokyo we really oh, yeah. like it Was I not but, supposed- but, but <laughs> no but share it share it for our, for our listeners because we haven't okay, well, actually we want- talked about want- it on the podcast
1: well instead we'll talk about king of new york which is literally the exact same thing just kidding no we'll talk about okay. king of tokyo. we
2: won't
3: tell the all the details of place so no you- no
2: no go yeah. go go for it we haven't talked about it so
1: i think it's a
3: good it's, one we'll just give like the very simple overview and why it's a game going game and then you can talk about it in
1: okay well uh so king of tokyo is a king of the hill style uh game where uh you're basically playing as kaiju uh and uh essentially beating each other up in a slugfest to see who can be in control of Tokyo the longest and accrue victory points that way. Um, but it uses a very familiar, uh, very familiar mechanism, which I think is very helpful when you're trying to introduce either young or uh, intergenerational gaming, uh, is uh, that it's essentially Yahtzee. Uh, it's a glorified yeah. version of Yahtzee. Uh, you have a handful of dice, you roll them, you pick which ones you already, you like the values of, you roll them again, you roll the ones you didn't like, you take take some pick what you know basically so yeah yahtzee i'm explaining a game that literally everybody knows and i apologize
2: <laughs> um, yahtzee with stomps yeah
1: yeah yeah when i we played it at a game night nice and, I, and he, some people had never played And i just said well imagine yahtzee with kaiju and they were like what yeah so yeah. we have
3: one with all adults but this is probably one of our seven-year-old's favorite games and he's been playing since he was six i don't know if you're daughter plays it too
2: but um. yeah she she played it once we'll have to get it out again because it is a really fun game we really enjoy it
1: well yeah so it plays uh two to six you're definitely going to have probably more fun at higher player counts i think four to six would probably be the sweet spot for this game uh the box says eight plus i would say that you probably have to really be able to read uh, in order to get the most out of it right because there's
2: some like power-up cards power-up you can get and those have quite great. a bit of of text on them
3: they are and but non-repetitive they're three out at a time so like you could read them for That's your team. true like, when we started i don't think he could read those when he was six i think we were reading him to him and telling him what they did because those some especially in two, we played a lot with him two player at six too so it was like in a two-player game those cards aren't moving as quickly you know you're not buying them as often so they're out there for a while so it's not like you to read something new on every turn um but yeah when you're playing with when we played with six people in a game night, they, those were going a lot faster so like it would be more helpful to read yourself but yeah
1: so we have a really good time me and the kids playing this game Well, you know chucking big chunky dice and you know trying to make some strategic decisions and imagining your kaiju stopping the other players monsters into oblivion and then uh, you know, Danielle comes and tells me, she's like, Oh, this is one of my favorite game schooling games. And <laughs> I'm like, game schooling? He's like,
3: what are you talking what about? Game? Is- there's
1: no game schooling in this game. It's kaiju.
3: But there's so like, so you have hit points and you have health and, um, and then you have, or so you have health, which you're getting taken away and then adding to. So that is constant adding and subtraction. And then you mm-hmm. also, you're trying to score points, just like um, victory point type things. Then you're, you're constantly adding, and I think you're subtracting those too. Are you just adding those? I think I'm just now I'm trying to remember. It's
1: I, it Anyway, between I think two, it's just
2: addition.
3: I think it's that one's just addition, but the health is well, up health and down.
2: Is, your so is yes. Well, and yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions to be made, right? There's a lot of probability and rolling yes. and you know, you're yes. kind of taking the taking the the risk. Mm-hmm. um yeah. if you're going to roll and you're going to be able to make enough of the the uh victory points together or enough of the stomps to you know attack yep. whoever's in Tokyo and you have to make a decision too in the game you can either be outside of Tokyo or you can try to take control of Tokyo in which you gain more victory points but you're more vulnerable because everybody attacks yeah. so and you
3: can't gain health when you're in Tokyo so you cannot add right. to your health. so you like leave it's a
2: really fun game it always makes us want to watch Pacific Rim when we're done playing one of our favorites so uh, yeah, think- we always d- lots of you know start to countdown. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i just and- remember when we first played this with our like, when he first started playing i was like this is a really good sneaky game, the one game because he just thinks it's so fun with the monsters like it's just such a great theme especially for like a, lo- a young boy it's yeah. Just fun.
1: and yeah and while there is a lot of direct kind of like beating down on your opponents you know you can protect yourself you can leave Tokyo which makes you essentially somebody that can only be attacked by the prison in Tokyo so you can heal your player up and kind of like a, one thing I noticed just as we were doing this talk with the games you know where we've had caveats about take that is that one thing I realized is that with our, with kids, I think that the way to help them tolerate that is if you play a game where that's just literally what the entire game is, so right. It's, it's not cool.
2: like they're being singled out. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm being picked on. It's like, well, no, yeah. the whole game is we beat them yes. on each it's other. Cool. That's what this game is about.
3: Yeah. So yeah. Not, not like a brand new straight off the presses game, but one that we think oh. has value. And again, good. If, you, if you're a savvy shopper and want to pick up a, copy yeah
2: i think we got this one used too and yeah, it's used, a yeah. real it's a real really great game really good with four i mean it's it's yeah, quite yeah. fun with four yeah
3: we had a lot of fun again we had fun playing it with our game night with adults like so it's one that can yeah spin. it's
2: one we pull out every once in a while everybody's like oh yeah king of tokyo yeah. let's do that you know um uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. I I think it's a I think it's a good game schooling one too because there are decisions to be made, but none of them are too complex, right? There's not a lot of decisions you can make. You're trying to figure out what dice to keep, what dice to 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 continue to roll, whether you want to go in or out of Tokyo. I mean, there's not like it, it's not high strategy. No, yeah, and they, it plays pretty fast too. Maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah I'd say twenty. Yeah, <laughs> so it's pretty pretty short. It only plays. Does, did you say it played up to six? Yes, yeah, we two, played it six. with six oh okay cool yeah we haven't played it yeah, that many people true. but that's good to know it's good to have these higher count games
3: yeah yeah so that one i mean some grandma and grandparents might want to play it but we didn't put it in that categories oh i my
2: my grandma's like a yahtzee de- demon so she oh, yeah. could totally she could totally play this game yeah yeah, so, yeah
1: it's that's not that saying a i think very it's very familiar element yeah yeah you know, we'll
2: okay, play games kind of like my play my okay. mother-in-law's like big with racco and so we'll play a game with her that is not it's something different and we'll be like yeah. and she should be a little leer, be like oh it's like racco she'll be like, oh i got this you know like and they get kind of into it because yes. she's like oh yeah. i totally get that mechanism because you see some yeah. of those old mechanics thread their way yeah. into new games which i think is really cool
3: yeah
1: we might have done the exact same thing with uh, skull king and pinnacle
2: yeah my family's really into pinnacle we're like
3: okay we got a trick-taking game for you it's not like that similar, but it <laughs> It was, en- it was enough to pique their interest to play and then they liked it, so.
2: Yeah, somebody that we knew like spades a lot, like trick-taking, and we were like, uh, oh, well, uh, here's, what was it, uh, a plan- the quest for Planet 9? The crew. The crew. Yeah, we were like, yeah, this is just a trick-taking game. And they're like, there's rockets in here. We're like, that's ah, a- fine. fine, it's fine. It's a trick-taking <laughs> game, it'll be all right. It's trick-taking, it's the same it's thing. Here. It's fine. <laughs> That's right. well that's a great list thank you so much for for uh uh giving us this great i mean i'm just like adding to my amazon list as we were talking um math's matt's not here so he doesn't that's right he doesn't but he doesn't he's know he's gonna hear about it when he glasses, edits this But <laughs> great and so then and tell us a little bit about board game babies before we go and some of the work that you're doing wish lists and things for, for kiddos
3: and primarily on Instagram. I have a blog. It's sort of been a little outdated, but it's there. It's got some of my reviews, but mostly I try to keep Instagram current. Um, and one of the things that has been important to us is kind of getting, hand, getting games into the hands of kids who wouldn't maybe normally have access to some of these games. Like maybe they have literally only seen Candyland and Sorry, and we can open up a new world of games. And particularly, you know, I'm passionate about the game schooling aspect of it too. So, um, we work usually with two nonprofits that we either donate games to, or have worked with, like I said, game, right. Donated games last year to fostering hope. Um, and then the other way we get games to them is by, I just have in my links on my Instagram, a link to wish lists that send the games directly to the nonprofit. It doesn't come into my hands at all. It literally is sending it to the address there. And one of the nonprofits is Cranes um, to Classrooms, which gives school supplies to kids at low-income schools. But one of the things that we think is great for teachers to have in their classroom are games. You know, sometimes they're just playing them indoor recess, but sometimes teachers are using them in small groups or having a volunteer come in, or if like a specialist comes in and works with a small group of kids or Make it a station depending on what the game is. Um, having access to some of those really cool game schooling games, and you were saying you just got uh, Code Crackers. Uh, yes. Um, Kickstarter fulfillment, and they are one of the people that did like a match to Cranster Classroom. So if you bought their game on Kickstarter, you could um, donate a game also to Cranster Classroom. So that is one organization we work with and there's a wish list that goes straight sends it straight to the warehouse and it goes into the store for teachers and teachers come and shop for things they want for their classroom so teachers are picking out of the choices that are there the game that they want it's not just showing up at their door they look at it and say like okay this is good for my kids and we'll take it back to their classroom and
0: That's then the great. other
3: organization we work with is fostering hope and they work with um foster families and providing them with opportunities um Sometimes it's like journey bags to send a, a kid who's going into foster home with just all the essentials that they would need coming you know, from their, um, the situation they were in. And so usually around Christmas, they put together gifts for all of the kids um, in the foster families they serve. And so we've always tried to work with them to include a game in that gift bag. Cause we think that's just a great way for families to bond a great way for them to just build those again, shared experiences, have these like memories together. And so there isn't a wish list on my, um, Instagram also that sends directly to them. It goes right to their warehouse and they distribute it. They have kids who are in, um, group home living. So, you know, we don't have traditional orphanages anymore, like back in the, like a long time ago. So, but it, kids who don't whatever reason can't be in a family placement for a period of time can go live in a group home setting and so they have a lot of games there especially like during covid when the kids couldn't go on outings or do things they tried to provide games for them so we've helped with that and that's where the wish list goes to so
2: yeah those are really great causes we'll put all of that uh links in the show notes for that and all the games that you talked about and and thank you thanks danielle thanks Chaz. i don't know where Chaz went oh he's here (laughs) here, uh, well, thank you guys so much for for coming and supporting uh, supporting us and and helping to share some great games with us and our listeners. We really appreciate it.
3: Hopefully everyone will just get some have some great family time together this season and we think games are a great way to do that, so really.
2: They definitely are. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!